Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinanta-Walker here, and I'm here with my fabulous co-host, the mental health comedian, Frank King. Hey, Frank. Hey, good to talk to you. Yeah, you too. So we have Cody, and you know what, Cody, I butcher last names, and I should have asked you this before we even started. So can you tell everyone how your name should be properly said? Yes, you actually pronounced it right the first time that we had talked. It's um, Everyone goes by Gauthier, but I'm French-Canadian, so it's good tea. Oh, see? I, I love that. I always go to the French because I think it's sexier. So, hey, I'm, that's, the, <laughs> that's the only time I will have ever done that right because, it's a, because of the French thing. So, anyway, thank you for coming on. Um, you're a clinical social worker, and um, you're an adjunct psychology professor and you talk a lot about men's mental health so you know that is something that is not talked about enough frank certainly talks about it as well so i'm so glad that you wanted to come on our show and enlighten our listeners on um you know the things that are important to for you to discuss in mental health yeah i'm glad i could come on and um i'm glad that frank's here too because he gives a totally different but really important um uh he, he represents an important part of like what we do which is sort of destigmatize um, men's mental health concerns through, I mean, in his case, humor, and through my case, sort of just being able to talk about it and speak more about it so that it becomes more normal rather than something you just can't talk about. Right, exactly. I just read something this morning, Frank, I don't know if you saw it on Instagram, but it was somebody, it was a man, a male therapist that was posting about some game, and I'm, I, I like him, so not a sports person, so it was some game that was just on, maybe it was soccer, I don't know, but where all, all these men on social media absolutely trashed this athlete because he missed the goal at the end of the game, and it was so close, and whatever, and the therapist was saying, you know, in this age of, like, quote unquote, toxic masculinity, what are we all, I mean, young boys are reading these comments. What are we teaching them? That it's not okay to make a mistake, that you have to be perfect. Uh, and then they were just belittling him and all this kind of stuff. And I, I read that um, earlier this morning and was like, wow, you know, when you look at it from that 
bigger perspective. Um, how, how do you find that, you know, in dealing with that, with working with patients, Cody? Um, I, I noticed that there's just that normal, I don't want to call it normal, but there's that initial hesitance with any, any young boy, especially into teenagers. I work with a lot of male um, teenagers and they're, it's hard because not only are they going through like the storm and stress of, of just normal, you know, maturing and, and, and going through puberty, but also having, comparing themselves to others and the ex, having expectations put upon them through everything, through sports, through relationships. So they feel like they have to have the outer, that hard outer shell. Um, so a lot of things slip through the cracks. So what the first few sessions that they spend with me, I don't, I really don't expect them to give me anything. Um, I just, my, my, I guess my top goal, especially in my practice is to just make sure that they're comfortable with me because they don't, they're not used to having that comfort. It's like they're walking on, you know, masculine eggshells. Um, right. And so it's about sort of peeling that apart slowly and, and then being able to say, wow, so you, we've peeled back enough. This should feel okay. How do you, how do you feel? And then really processing that because um, once they do access that part of them, that, that, that is sort of that vulnerable part, um, it, we can really start going from there because it sort of feels like a relief. It's a, they've been carrying that weight for a while. Um, so it's, it, oftentimes it's just about finding it and making sure that they're expressing it because it's hard. I mean, high school is hard. Anybody who's been to middle school and high school are not fun. <laughs> No, I, I know like maybe one person and I think she's delusional that enjoyed those years. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute now. Uh, those are the three best years of my life. I almost stayed an extra year in high school. That's uh, really? that's how much I liked it. But uh, Second person then that I know. Yeah, I was going to take piping and take uh, trigonometry again. Uh, by the way, the um, the football game you're talking about, Kristen, it's worse than, than, than even you just, than you described. Um, mm. What happened was the gentleman kicked the football. He was a place kicker. It was a, an attempted field goal, uh, certainly within his range, and it hit the upright just right and bounced, and then it hit the cross piece and bounced because it could have hit the cross piece and bounced over for three points. It hit the cross piece and bounced back. And what people don't take into consideration is he had already scored nine points in that game. The only reason it was close was because he had put nine points on the board in the way of field goal, and he didn't just get you know angry phone calls and tweets and texts. There were death threats. Yep. And I yeah. think. I Against think his family, too. I mean, uh, unbelievable. But keep going. Yeah, I think I'm it's sorry. a male phenomenon in that. Cody, tell me if you had, I'm sure you've heard this. You know, you're either the hero or you're the goat. It's yeah, a right. binary sort of um, situation. If he'd made it, he would have been the town's hero. And if you miss it, they discount everything you've done good up to that point. And, you know, we're going to kill you. So, yeah, in a, in a, in a hyper competitive society, especially with sports like, and that, what people also forget is that he hit the first field goal, like they, they iced him. Um, and so people forget that, you know, this was sort of, you know, he, would, he had scored those nine points, obviously, but also they just needed someone to blame. And that was the unfortunate part was that you're either the winner. Yeah. Or you're the, you're the scapegoat. Um, and, and oftentimes and, for that, that for the, the field goal kicker is in, in that situation. You know, they're on the sidelines for a long time, and the only time that they're called upon oftentimes is in that last moment, yep. and it all comes down to them. And, again, if he misses, they discount anything that, that any good thing he'd done in the previous, you know, what, uh, 
is a 60 minute game, 59 minutes and a half. And, and it's people take their sports a little too seriously. <laughs> yeah. And how do you, I mean, in some ways sports brings people together and you have really good energy and connection there and, you know, uh, good camaraderie. And then you have this other side and now we have, you know, it used to be the fans in the stadium where this occurred would be screaming horrible things to players. It wasn't that you had a smartphone available to go post out every vile thing you think and put it online. So that I've, I've been asked Cody the last two weeks, I've done show after show after show on, you know, all over the United States and in Canada talking about this, you know, ability that is here now that wasn't part of my generation. It wasn't part of Frank's where your opinion, no matter what it is, can be blurted out. There's no control on it on the wild, wild West called the internet. So what are you, how do you handle that in dealing with your younger clients that come in where this is a part of them from the womb? It's part of their life from coming out of the womb. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I have to do is sort of stay up to date with it. Like, I, I didn't. Some of the things that I hear from my clients, I'm, I'm shocked by. Um, yeah. I've, I've worked in places where I, I'm talking to um, different clients that I have who say they're in like they're excluded from these 30 person snap group chats. So I'm like, wait, you can have snap group chats? Or I mean, there's so many ways now because of social media that people can be excluded. And I know the, the the original idea is for that people to feel more connected through social media. And that works for, you know, that, that can be beneficial too. I'm not saying that it's not. Um, but I think what's hard is that like even if we even if we feel as though or if we're perceived, I guess, as in, right? Whatever we'll put quotes around that in terms of um, social social media connection, whether it's in a group chat or whether it's in, you know, a snap streak or whatever it is we still feel isolated within that because we're always comparing ourselves to other people who may have more followers or other people who mm -hmm. might have, who might be part of more, um, you know, connected groups. Um, and I see that mostly, mostly with um, pre-adolescents and adolescents who are just starting, starting, uh, starting to figure that out and starting to come into that where they do have, you know, they're always connected. And then that feeling of disconnection is, it, it's, it's hard because I think that they put the most pressure on themselves to, to be connected, even if it's not really helping them. Um, right. Yeah. It's this, it, it is. And it's, it's all about comparing yourself to other people. I mean, I just watched a movie that I can't remember the name of. I'm, I'm better about movies than sports, but clearly not in this instance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a movie uh, with a bunch of Gen Zers, right? So, and it was a for real portrait of what, you know, goes on today. And it was all about the selfie. And I'm, and it wasn't putting them down in any way. It was just, this is a part of what they're expected to do is take a picture of themselves doing everything and being on their phone constantly and all that stuff. And uh, it's, you know, it's scary because we, the, you know, the older adults didn't deal with this. So trying to figure out what the heck you're supposed to do and how to handle it is like, I'm finding from all of our guests and so on and dealing with trolls online. That's a whole new world that we don't even know where to tap into. I was going to say that 
I posted something the other day about um, about social media. There were six things that you don't realize, or maybe I'm getting ready to post it. Six things you don't realize: <laughs> negative effects of social media. And the one I did post was: Don't you think that every school at every level should have a class on mental health, as they do oftentimes on physical health? Right. And it seems to me in that curriculum there should be a um, a module on social media, not how to do it, but how to demystify it and how to, you know, how to avoid the things we're talking about. Right. You know what I mean? To educate the young people as to the, you know, the, um, the good things and the bad things about social media and, and how it's not just because online doesn't make it true. And, and it doesn't have power or it has power based on what you give it most of the time, not all of the time. There is an upside. Uh, I think one of my next TED Talks is going to be about there's an algorithm that someone has created that keeps track of people's social media presence, Twitter feed, Facebook posts, and can be predictive in terms of who may be considering suicide. It has a little bit of the minority report movie feel about it, you know, where they know they do this analysis and they figure out who's going to commit the crime, so they arrest them ahead of time. But I think there is potential in social media for good. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 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 But co- yeah. It, it, it was funny. You had said at one point, Kristen, about um, selfies. And that is something that I see the most is that is Instagram has sort of taken over. And I'm, o- I'm only 24, so I'm trying to – I try to put myself in the shoes, too. I'm like, okay, like I still post yep. on Instagram. And I, I, I oftentimes think to myself, like, there's that feeling of FOMO, which I'm sure the listeners will know, the fear of missing out. And that is so pervasive with, with really, I mean, you can go, that, that goes across age groups. It sort of hits everyone. But that feeling, especially when you're younger, of everyone else seems to be doing something evidenced by their Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is. Um, therefore, I must be missing out. And then on the other side, it's the people who do post a lot. There's, you know, we're learning more about that sort of the mask. I, I, there's this article I read the other day about like the mask we put on in that, that mask is essentially the, you know, the, the well-cropped photo of, yeah, of someone persona. at this party or whatever it is. So it's the persona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that can be just as hard. So there's both sides to this. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to navigate through. I mean, I am now enjoying at, I'll be 49 tomorrow, um, spending so much less time on social media. I do it through my company because, you know, you have to, but I don't really, you know, sometimes friends will say, well, did you see my post? And I'm like, no, I, 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 I clock myself now 26 minutes a week is about all I spend on Facebook. So, and it used to be, you know, every time I was in an airport, I was there with a phone and I was on Facebook posting whatever. So, you know, it's, I don't know. I feel bad for this. I feel bad for Gen Z. I feel bad for your generation too, Cody, because it's, 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 you don't get, you haven't had the support that you need because we haven't known what the hell this is. We still don't. Or what to do with it. I've got friends who have teenagers the teenagers, yeah, the teenagers complain that, you know, he gets picked on or she gets picked on. Then they say to me, you know, when we were in school, we got picked on. And which is sort of not the same way. Yeah. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps philosophy. Look, I got through it. You can get through it. Yeah. It's an entirely different paradigm. When I got picked on in junior high, 
George Ragland, not that I'm bitter, at the locker next to me and the gym, and he took great pleasure in hitting me in the shoulder really hard with the knuckle uh, protruding, and and that was that was how I was bullied. But it was just me and George in the locker room. Unless somebody saw the bruise, nobody knew that he'd been wailing on me. Now it's everybody would know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should have parents for classes on social media, social media bullying, how things are different now. They're 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 starting those, but what do you? I mean, do your younger the younger generation of men come in, and are they even? Do they even have enough in their cognitive behavioral toolbox to see that a problem is coming from social media? I think I, I think oftentimes with, with a lot of the I'm thinking of the male teen clients that I see. And then I also I mean I should say I also work with young adults at a university, so I'm trying to put my, myself in their shoes and what they told me. And oftentimes I see people willingly disconnect from ex social media when they know it's it's really so they have that self awareness. Um, I have one client who disconnected from, from a lot of the social media and just took a break. It was sort of like a it was his sort of way to to separate himself from something that was he noticed it was sort of hurting him rather than helping him. It was disconnecting him rather than connecting him. Um, but that took a little bit of work. Like I think there's we feel the pressure to stay connected, even if it's making us feel bad. Um, and I think that's harder in high school than it is in college. Um, the the other thing I noticed too is that um, oftentimes, especially again, especially with males, they're they're self aware of of how social media affects them because it's the same, it affects us the same way that that fear of missing out that you know, that mm-hmm. comparison but i i i believe and that's just tr- you know not traditional as men but we generalizing um i mean we'll internalize it we really will and we'll we'll say no it's, it's okay i just ignore that stuff or yes or and and that comes back to bite us and you know at, at the end too so yeah i mean i would imagine you know digging around in that with is you know, somewhat like a labyrinth, getting them to the place where they'll, they've, where they can unbury it because they're so quick to bury it because that comes with the male persona. Oh, I was going to say, comparison gets harder in college with men too because there's the expectations change. And now what they're seeing on social media is people going out to parties, they're seeing that party culture. And, and, and I think it's hard, especially for more introverted males to say, to, to, have the expectation of, of, of social media and, and that expectation to be extroverted when you're in, when you may be introverted. And then that's that part of self blame that says, Oh, I, I don't know if I can quote unquote live up to this or, or if, right. if maybe I'm feeling different or feeling like an other, because you don't have, you can't show that persona as well. Um, you know, we create a lot of that in our own minds and that that's something that uncovering is even harder um, because they feel like they have to do it. And that just makes them feel worse. So, sorry, Frank, you can go. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. It's, uh, I was just thinking about George Ragland and um, Rayford Cooley. And <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a list of two or three people who picked on me in junior high school. And I, I, the fact that I still know their names, that occasionally I'll, I'll uh, wonder if when I go back home to Raleigh, I bump into them what I'm going to say to Rayford. I plan to say, are you ready to apologize? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I... But it affected me, and that we're talking in 1972. Right. So I cannot imagine the intensity 
that would come along with that with bullying on on steroids uh, because again only a few people knew about it so it was only embarrassing for me in the moment and then it, obviously I'm a little bitter about it and I can't quite let it go but um <laughs> you use it for good you use it for good <laughs> yeah use it for good um and and by the way George Raglan was I mean I'm sure I got my revenge because he was dumb as a bag of hammers I'm sure he didn't go very far in life but um uh, I can't even imagine how it must be for somebody who's and the thing about the internet is that stuff lives there forever. Oh yeah. I wanted to ask you about that, Cody, because like we get, we, you know, we certainly have had our trolls and we've, you know, we've, we know how to deal with them. We're in the mental health field. We don't feed the troll. You know, that's the biggest thing is don't engage. Um, but we're adults and we have the ability to go, okay, we know what this looks like. We know what this person's trying to do. Uh, we know they're trying to get us to engage, you know, and embarrass us or whatever it is that they're trying to do. But when you're a teenager and you're getting this from your classmates or or you're in college and you're, you know, and you're walking this class and wondering if people are looking at you because you're being bullied. I mean, what have you seen with men coming in and dealing with that kind of bullying? It isn't punch you in the face. It's punch you in your soul and also your mental, you know, your psychology. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. I, I often, I think the most, the, the thing I see the most is that we often lose who we are. And I, and I say that, and I know that happens with women too, is if they're bullied like covertly, sort of that behind the scenes, sort of whether it be social media things, not the kind of bullying that Frank was talking about where he gets punched in the arm, but more so, you know, yeah, punched in the soul. And what we see is sort of just a loss of, of identity. Someone who may have been, um, you know, and I see this the most in college where someone who will come into my office and they'll tell me stories of them in high school where, or middle school. Maybe they did have a good experience where they were playing sports and they were, they had a good group of friends and there was mutual trust. And then, everything is flipped on its head and it changes you to your, to your core. So a lot of mm-hmm. what I, a lot of what we do, if they, if they do make it to me is say, is, is sort of re-narrate their story. Um, it, it's sort of together reauthoring who they are because they've, they've been stripped of, of who they believe they were, all the confidence and all the, the uh. um, self-esteem they had have been sort of sucked away by comparison and expectations and other people's judgment of them. Um, so what we do is we try to say, well, what was it like before that? And, and what, you know, how can we recapture those values? So a lot of the work I do with men is self-compassion because um, that's the first thing we end up losing is, you know, is being able to, to, to treat ourselves the way that we would treat someone who is a close friend of ours. Um, and that's hard yeah. for men too, because it's oh, hard yeah, to I think, uh, when you when you do your show, because I've got a friend who, who is a um, suicide prevention therapist, specialist, and we were talking about bullying, and she said, in her experience, women are far worse uh, than young women, you know, mean girls, um, yeah. maybe in, in a different way, uh, like I said, sort of, sort of behind, the, not behind the scenes, but, you know, they, I think men and women treat men and women differently. Anyway, my thought was, when you get ready to do a podcast, you find a woman psychologist who works with young women who've had the similar experiences uh, so that you can get, you know, both perspectives. Uh, you call it he said, she said, and 
you can, you know, people calling in comparing notes. Uh, you know, I, well, I had a client who, well, I had a client who, well, you know, because I do believe there is a difference in intensity, at least I'm told, between the way men bully or young men bully and young women. Uh, Sarah, my friend, said they're not just mean, they're vicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, thank you for the pitch. I like that idea. Can I trademark that? Can I trademark <laughs> he said, he said? Am I in, Kristen? Can I... <laughs> Yes, you absolutely can. In fact, <laughs> while you're while you continue discussing, I'm going to look and see. I'm sure that domain's not available because uh, there was a movie in the '80s, I think, with um, Kevin Bacon called "He Said She Said," where they were um, they were newscasters duking it out. But anyway, that w- you can call your podcast whatever the heck you want. So, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, someone that's your age so that you because you're one foot in Gen Z and you're one foot in millennial. So, yeah. you know, you got you you're at that great space to know how to talk about this. But what I want to find out, Cody, is why um, why did you want to get into this profession? Because it, it takes some serious, usually your own trauma <laughs> yeah. um, and, it, and it takes some serious guts to want to, you know, be in mental health. That's a, that's a really good question. I think my answer changes every time. Um, I, I went to, I went to counseling when I was um, in high school because of everything we're talking about. Um, I, it started out with a, a relationship issue that I went to my guidance counselor for and um I, I noticed that it evolved into me talking about bullying that I experienced in middle school. Um, I was a, I was a, I was a chunkier kid. I hadn't like fully formed it. I like, I evolved in like my junior year when I sort of grew into my body and it was tough because I really loved sports. So what I was, I was subjected to bullying along with, along with a lot of the other, um, a lot of my cohort actually, my, still my best friends today from high school. Um, I think I took it a little more deep, deeply than, than they did. Or maybe I, maybe I was, I think I was lucky because I was able to sort of have that avenue through my guidance counselor to talk about that stuff. Um, and then from then on, she sort of gave me the, she empowered me to sort of chase this career um, because she, she said, well, you know, you've been, um, you've been talking about this stuff. You clearly are interested in the job that I have. And there's so much more to this than mm-hmm. what I do. And, and so I went for my bachelor's in psychology. And as soon as I started learning about it, and I teach the, you know, I teach the course at normal psychology right now, which is essentially just how do we assess? How do we, how do we treat properly? And how do we make sure that we're ethical and that we're, we're doing the best that we can. I took that course and I was sold. And I was like, I'm going to grad school for this. And I know this is it. <laughs> and, That's and now awesome. here I am like, five years later teaching the course and I just had my first class last night and I can't even tell you how excited I was to like, uh, you know, you get that natural high from, from doing yes. something you love. So I've come full circle essentially. Well, let me ask you this. So the abnormal psychology. So do you talk to your clients about the psychology behind people who troll people online and, and make sport out of it? Um, because there, you know, there can be, I'm a teenager, I'm caught up in a group online hazing situation. And then there can be, oh, this is a personality disorder. And this is my full-time profession now is to harass and stalk people online. So, you know, there's a, uh, there's a place in abnormal psychology where that exists. So in what ways, you know, what do you have to say about that? 
<laughs> so with my class, I would go into the, the DSM and I would talk about I would talk about sort of like what traits that people may show um, if they have a personality disorder and how some of those traits may give license to some of the things that you see from, you know, whether it be online trolls or just someone who might be like hyper-focused on, um, you know, your, on one thing or another. So I'll go into that specific criteria with my course because I, you know, mm, we, we work with labels and we work with being able to identify those things. With clients, I do sort of the exact opposite. I, I talk about how some people, because again, mental, mental illness is a lot about not having control. So I talk a lot about how um, maybe the people who are bullying them, if, they're, if my clients are at a place where we can start talking about those other people, we talk about them in a more compassionate way. We say, you know, without assessing any labels, and because they'll come in saying, well, these guys are jerks or these guys are, you know, whatever else. And at first I'll agree with them. I'll say, yes, they're being jerks to you for sure. And then once we're at a point where I think I'm comfortable in talking about it, we'll say, well, what was really going on there? So I, I ask them, just as I would do for them, I ask them to step into their shoes. And that's really hard. That's sort of like the last step right. <laughs> is saying what's going on with them so that, so that you're not taking on any of that self-blame. It's sort of stripping the blame off of you and saying, oh, well, then this, this person must be going through something too. Because we can't just call it personality disorders. It's what, no, I mean, yeah. oh my gosh, it's, it's a wide range of different, you know, environmental There's... factors and all that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we're, we've dealt with a couple that are, you know, my age probably, or younger, maybe a little bit younger, but you know, that have been doing this for years and have been put in jail for this. So, you know, clearly in those cases, we're dealing with, you know, something <laughs> in the dark triad, but yeah, in that you know, teenage college years, so much goes on. I mean, you know, there are behaviors that everybody does that you look at when you're 30, 40, 50, and you go, wow, that was really shitty yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of me, <And> you know? <laughs> and, you know, I, I hope that made sense because I think even, even my clients struggle with that notion until, or if I talk to other people about this, it's hard to be able to see where other people are coming from if they're directly hurting you. Yes. Um, so I don't. Yes, so I definitely is. don't do that at the beginning. I wait till we're at a place where we can say, okay, let's take a let's take a good look at right at what was going on here, and that's part of the forgiveness piece. It's taking some of that self compassion and saying, okay, I can forgive because even though I won't, you know, I I'm not going to hold don't on to it. Don't condone it. Yeah, and you don't yeah. condone the behavior. But yeah, that's so good that you do that, especially with men, because they're not taught to do that it's just go fight 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 and beat the crap out of somebody or you know punch him in the mind and punch him in the face you know so it's so great that you but i get it you have to take a really careful road with each person that's being that's been traumatized by any kind of bullying to get them but, to where they can see the other person maybe in a, in a light of compassion if they can, I, I would say bullies are not born, they're made. So there's probably right. some pathology in the family. So there's some reason they're, they're, I mean, unless it's just strictly, you know, some sort of mental illness. Um, but I imagine a lot of it's environment. You know, they come in with the notion of, I'm going to go beat them up. Or I'm going to go stand up yeah. for myself. Or maybe I'll run. And those are the more, those are the ones where I have to start reframing, like, okay, so we could fight back. And what, <laughs> what, what, right. what else can we do? So, but they come in ready to do the man thing. Yeah. yeah. I know it's, and man, when you're, 
when those, you know, hormones and all that are racing and testosterone and everything, taking that step back and, but that's part of what's great is you're teaching them those cognitive behavioral skills so that they can take that with them on into adulthood and not just have a hair trigger temper over everything, you know? Yeah, and it happens in adulthood. I've been fired off three different cruise lines, and it's always been a personality conflict of some kind with the cruise director. Uh, all men. Um, mm. The most famous was the I was working for for um, one of the larger cruise lines, and the cruise director for some reason took a disliking to me, and my shows were good. It wasn't that. Uh, and he called up the company and said, "I want you to fire him from the entire 22 ship fleet." Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so the way the way I dealt with it is that is you know entertaining entertainment is an iffy business at best. So <laughs> right. like riding a wave sooner or later it's going to crest, you're going to wipe out. But people would ask me, they go, "Well, so why'd you get fired from uh, the cruise line?" Well, you know, personality conflict. I'm a Sagittarius. He's a dick. So <laughs> right. I use the humor to you know to yeah yeah. So bullying doesn't necessarily stop. I'm sure there's there's a good deal of bullying in the workplace that oh, continues, you know, from adolescence. So if you can get them squared up, Cody, early, <laughs> and teach them coping skills, then perhaps, you know, midstream or downstream, we can reduce the amount of, you know, or at least they'll know how to deal with it. Right. Yeah. Think, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it ends up compounding on itself if you learn it at a young age, even though it doesn't make it any harder. I mean, or any easier, excuse me, you know? Well, and I think also having been bullied, I think, I think I am more compassionate and empathetic because I have been bullied. So if I see yeah, something happening, I'm more some likely people to though, Yeah. Some people though that have been bullied become bullies themselves. So it really just, it's, there's yeah. so many different circumstances. Um, you know, there's just so of, many. I was just saying, so that, you know, for the listeners out there, like, you don't have to be a therapist to be able to empathize with someone who's going through something or right. is the, the bully, because we've all been right. in the position, even if we've never been, you know, bullied in the same way, we can, we still know what that feeling is on some level. And I tell my clients yeah. that all the time, which is that they'll come in saying, and men do this more than, I think my male clients do this more than my female clients, they'll say, you know, like, how do you know what I'm going through? And I've had, I've had people say, like, well, you, I don't want to talk to you. Like, you don't even know what I'm, what, what I'm dealing with. And it's like, well, yes, that's very true. And I think I, I, think I understand the feeling. And then we talk about what that might be. And, and, and sometimes I hit it right on the mark, and sometimes I don't. And they'll forgive me, and they'll say, you know, that's, I don't know if that's really what I'm feeling, but it sounds like you felt bad before, too. So as long as we can get in that little, like, space where mm -hmm. we're both, we both felt a certain way, like it, it, it sort of like enhances the trust just a little bit. This is enough to let me in. I'm so glad that you're 24 years old and you're teaching what you're teaching now and that you know these things now and that you're in the mental health field now. I just have to put that out there. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm with you, Kristen, because I'll tell you again, I'm, um, in our book on men's mental fitness, I just, I just voiced the forward so we can put it up on audible. And the gentleman who did the forward has been he's a psychologist, clinical psychologist. He's been working with men who were suicidal for decades. And I think what happens, Cody, maybe maybe you can speak to this, is if if you don't take care of some of those issues when somebody is late teens or, you know, uh, early teens, late teens, early 20s, 
it, they, it, just, it just hardens. There's a hard shell, and they're less likely to seek help, certainly, mm. later. He says he believes that men tend not to, men, grown men tend not to seek help unless they're forced into it. You know, if you don't show up on time this coming Monday, you're done. Or if you don't go to counseling with me, I, our marriage is over. That's kind of how men get pushed into therapy. But if you can catch them early and help them work through some of these issues, then perhaps, you know, downstream they'll be much more amenable to seeking therapy. Yeah. I Well, I, I actually, I really do agree with that. I, I, I agree with that with a little asterisk because I don't think it's ever too late for someone to, to, to sort of not just, I don't want to say change their life, but to, to seek the support that they that they deserve. Um, so I, and I've, I've worked in inpatient treatment where I was working with, with adults with like chronic mental illness. So I was, I'm a 22 year old intern working mm. with these 50, 50 year old adults and, you know, who have struggled with trauma and substance use and they're coming into group therapy and they're just pouring it out saying like, I want to change. So I, I don't think it's so much crystallized, but I think it makes it that much harder. And, you know, it doesn't, it's not easy to begin with. Cause I, I mean, I got off the phone last night with a parent who, um, I'm, I'm meeting the, the kids for the, or the, the team for the first time today at a private practice. And um, she essentially was like, he doesn't want to go. There's no way that he's going to go. Um, I, but I know he needs to go. So there's that still that onus from parents still yeah. that like I, my, my son needs to go to therapy and that'll never get them through the door. I, I try to say that let's make it an invitation. And then he gets to decide whether or not he wants to stay connected with me because at the end of the day, if he's just coming because his mom makes him, then he doesn't really have a choice on what's going to happen. Then I'll, right. we'll never make that relationship. So, then we get into the whole mother wound with sons and mothers, and that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's another podcast. Yeah. I did one. I did a show on that with someone, and I was like, okay, we might get some haterade for doing this show. Um, because there are a lot of women that listen that have been traumatized by men that a lot of listeners of my show in particular, but we didn't get any. We did it so, we crafted it really well and we got, you know, a lot of people saying, well, thank you. I understand a little bit more about what my partner or my husband or my boyfriend or whatever has dealt with with that mother wound. Um, but I told the guy that came on, do not even bring one ounce of haterade towards women, even, even at the back of your throat, because my listeners will smell that from a mile. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> yes. And he didn't, he's, he, he didn't, he, I've seen some other stuff that he posts and it's, and it's a little, it can be a little haterade ish towards women. And I'm like, Oh dude, you're going the wrong direction. That's not going to help. But, but the show ended up being good. So, but Cody, go ahead, Cody. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying good. I'm glad that it worked out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, tell our listeners where they can find out more about you and, and all of that. Um, I have a, a private practice in Hermosa Beach. Um, I'm, I'm part of a group private practice, so I'm, I'm lucky to work underneath um, Dr. Sherry Geedy. She's from, it's the, the practice is called South Bay Child and Family Therapy. Um, I will say though, I'm, I'm almost filled up. I'm basically filled up. So that, but that's one way to, to find me. If, if you're, mm -hmm. if you're someone listening in the, you know, the LA area, who's like, Oh, I have a son or blah, blah, blah. Um, the other, the other way you can find me is that I'm, I have a, a blog that I, I do usually biweekly. I started it when I worked for a summer program 
um, called Up or Down in New Hampshire. And I, I started this blog just because I wanted to keep connection with um, some of the students that I worked with. And it's all about different, these mental health topics that we, you know, that we've been talking about and sort of like an inside, inside piece of some of the clients that I see and things like that. Um, that's called the Human Experience Blog, so it's on WordPress. Um, mm. And I, I, I have a lot of fun with that. It's just sort of my, I use it as sort of like a, um, a de-stressor. It's a way for me to sort of like get my, I use it almost like as my personal journal to, you know, to whoever wants to listen. Um, nice. Well, send us the link to that if you haven't already, because I want to post that with the, oh, with the yeah. show notes so people can, then, you know, read it. That'd be great. And then the last thing is um, this I just started. It's sort of like on the side. It sort of, sort of goes with the podcast thing is that um, I, I have I've been doing like a little bit of on, like on the side life coaching, which is essentially it, it's therapy without the, the rigid boundaries and more for just life transitional stress. And mm-hmm. um, that email is advanced life coaches. So the, that full word dot C Gauthier. So it's my name, C G A U T H I E R at gmail.com. And nice. from there we can talk about just sort of your goals and things like that. Cause one of the, the things I love to do is motivational interviewing things, talking about goals and how best to sort of achieve the things that are harder to achieve on your own. You have such a calming voice too. You'll make a great podcaster whenever, whenever you decide to do it, hopefully with us, if you don't, that's okay too. But, um, but yeah, you've, you've got a really um, calming energy about you and that comes through in your voice. So that's good. It's, it's hard, you know, when you have someone come on and they're like, I just want you to be calm. And you're like, who just spoke Darth Vader's uh, even worse brother. Like, what was that? So you, you, (laughs) You don't have a bad voice for radio at all. That was a horrible way of me giving you a compliment. No, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm hoping that we can trademark the he said, she said, because I'm so down for that. <laughs> I looked up the domain and unfortunately he said, she said radio and he said, she said podcasts are both taken, but you can always put your own spin on it. So keep, keep well, that, you know. Chris and drive the. But the he said. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Those good ones are. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean you can't spin that, too. So anyway, Cody, thank you so much for coming on. Frank, as always, I love you co-hosting with me. um, And I want to tell our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Mental Health News Radio. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. A lot of times I'm passive aggressive. 
Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial.